isn't it interesting that again china is at war with america they've been it for some time their their number one goal is to take this country down and what is it what is their objective and what are they doing with our politicians saying turn off the the, the water to the farms stop the farms why because they're, they they if we cannot produce our own food if we are not self-reliant we will get choked out And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. I got some bad news today. You have a new co-host. Well, I got good news and bad news. Bad news is my uh, my partner's flew the coop today. She's she's uh, not uh, not come, not at the show, so it's a little bit of a letdown. But on the flip side, we got some amazing people. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Chelsea Hope, again. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, she's always here rocking and rolling with us. Trying to. S- spitting out the truth. Terrorizing these uh, crooked <laughs> politicians. Yeah. So welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Yeah, appreciate it. Glad yeah, to be you, here. You've been amazing. As well, we're also pretty excited because we've been uh, talking for a long time about get bringing about on uh, one of the local ranchers and farmers, and uh, w- there's one in particular that we've been trying to get, and his name is uh, Doug Hansen. Uh, Doug Hansen is he's been a Weber County rancher for fi- for 50 years. And one of the cool yes. things about him is uh, he, he actually grew up on the farm that he ranched. And, it, and, and his family has had that ranch since 1970, or excuse me, 1873. Yes, 1873. Welcome to the show, Doug. Glad to be here. That's a long time to have a, yeah. to have a, you know, a family business. Fifth yeah. generation farmers. So you guys understand uh, what's what farming's about the challenges and and the opportunities and I would hope so we're still trying to farm the best we can and we've had many years of experience of it yeah I mean you think about it since uh, 1783 <laughs> how farming's changed uh, definitely changed there's a lot of stories I could tell about that how my great-grandfather farmed my grandfather farmed my father farmed and uh, there's one story I'll just say that when he started to level the ground, which is, uh, was pretty rough at the time, he used a horse and a one-yard scraper to fill a big hole. And it took a long, many, many weeks to fill that hole. Can you imagine a horse and a one-yard scraper? Yeah, how, not, how long would that take to do it now? Probably about uh, a day. A day. <laughs> with the scrapers we got, uh, yeah. less, than, less yeah. than a day. Well, yeah, with all the equipment. So this is the, the reason this is significant is there, there's been a, a real war on our farmers, yeah. uh, a war on, on our uh, ranchers. Um, it's, you don't have to be paying too close attention to the news to see what's been going on. Uh, Bill Gates has been very invested in, in buying up all the farms. Uh, in Utah, this has been a hot issue, and we're going to talk about it because today we are talking about the water in, in Utah. Um, this one actually is very interesting, the timing, because, you know, we've had record snowfall. Mm-hmm. And with this record snowfall, <clears throat> you'd think our reservoirs would be filled to the brim. Uh, if you've driven by, they're not. And uh, is that just because, you know, it's not been that much snow or what's actually happening? So uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode because we're going to get into what's going on again with our, with our water. 
And as this is an episode on water, I want to give a special shout out and, and thanks to Inaviv. Uh, <clears throat> if you have not seen the show that we put out, I think it was about a week or so ago, uh, called uh, What's in the Water, you need to watch that episode. That was a great episode. That's insane, right? It's really scary what's in our water. Watching those guys was yeah. mesmerizing for me. Right, because you think, well, it's it's well water. And so it's, it's you know, the well water you know, is, is fine, but what they're not talking about is what's in the ground here. Right. And what's, uh, you need to watch the episode because it talks about how uh, there's been basically deals made with our politicians, with different lobbyist groups to basically uh, allow um, <laughs> the level of arsenic and some of these other toxins there, there's basically a level that's toxic that mm-hmm. every state says you can't have your water above this. But if you go to Utah, the weight, the levels are way higher. No, Utah. Because of Kincot and and just some of the deals that were made to allow certain things to happen in, in our uh, land uh, that uh, our water's just so dirty. Otherwise, it would never 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 pass the cut. So, anyways, check that out. And uh, <clears throat> I want to uh, let's let's play this real quick here for. Uh, you mean Utah? Our public officials would allow that to happen. Can you believe that? Can you believe it? Getting bought off by the likes of China. (laughs) And a Different politics. All right, here we go. And a what? Vive. And a vive. What's it mean? It means the original life. And it all begins with clean butter. What do they do? Well, let me show you. Yeah, you got it. You can check us out at enaviv.com. All right, so if you haven't checked out Enaviv, you need to check them out. Uh, they, they actually do, the coolest thing they do is they actually do like research. They actually will t- they'll come and actually test your water <clears throat> so you can see how, um, what's actually in your water. It'll blow your mind. Honestly, it will blow your mind. And water's one of those things you're drinking all the time and, and you're bathing in it. And Utah has some of the most toxic water in the country. And that's what blew my mind because you think we're in the mountains and it's all good here, but it's not. So without further ado, uh, let's real quick, make sure you're following us. Uh, We are getting seriously shadow banned on YouTube. I mean, we're having everybody, I had so many people say, hey, I've got the notification set to give the ring the bell. Your stuff's not popping up. I can't find it. It's like being hidden. Mm -hmm. So please jump onto Rumble. Uh, We are the people UT. Also all the podcast channels, we are the people UT. Same thing with uh, Instagram. We are the people you teach. Check, hop on there. Make sure we're not getting banned because uh, we are going to keep, uh, you know, fighting this uh, Utah's deep state, and it's pretty deep. So without further ado, all right, so Chelsea, tell us, uh, what have you got for us? Talk, okay. to us about, talk to us about the water. Yeah, so I really want to talk with Doug about the farm, so we're going to kind of fly through some of these. But as always, um, you can go ahead and pause and read these a little bit more if you want. But just an update. Um, I know on the last big water episode that we talked about, we talked about the Lithium King and some of these mining companies at the Great Salt Lake that are evaporating tons of water to mine for you know the magnesium, but also the lithium for the electric to electrify everything. Um, We talked about the Lithium King, who's 100% owned by British Columbia, but I did want to give you guys another update on one of these companies, uh, Compass Minerals here in Utah. Um, They have partnered up with LG Energy Solutions, which is the biggest battery supplier for Tesla. Well, they've also partnered up with China. Um, So now our water and lithium here is going to China to power up China's 
electric infrastructure. So I just wanted to make you guys aware of that. So again, if you watch the episode that came out previous to this about uh, smart cities or the episode about that, about our relationship with China, Utah is very much in bed with China. Mm -hmm. So again, there's no state that China has more relationships with than, than Utah. So right. make sure you check out that because you have to understand why China is such a problem in Utah. Yeah. And you can see here, um, this is from Compass Minerals, their own website. They do have a 55,000 acre solar evaporation pond to do this. Um, it says their pond complex in Utah is one of only four in the world that can produce um, what it is that they're producing from a naturally occurring brine uh, source using solar evaporation. So again, they talk about the birds and the migration and the brine, but there's other reasons. For high quality lithium, you need brine. Here's just, you can see they are, it's it's um, off the Great Salt Lake on the right-hand side. They are in bed with the United Nations Global Compact. So they're partnered with the UN. Um, and just so you guys aware are aware, we've heard a lot about the arsenic. Again, I think we would have been breathing it in this entire time the lake was drying up. Um, but lithium is extremely toxic. And you can see on the Environmental Protection Agency's website how to get rid of these lithium batteries because they are hazardous waste. They're extremely toxic. Um, there's the evaporation pond for U.S. magnesium. Um, and that's on the Great Salt Lake, as you can see. I think theirs is a 65,000 acre solar evaporation pond, but this is the toxic release inventory program for the EPA. And again, because we were talking about the toxins, mm -hmm. you can see the, uh, the very top five of toxic releases in the nation for the EPA. Uh, the fourth is U.S. magnesium off the Great Salt Lake. So wow. they're talking about no arsenic. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of their stuff going on. So uh, here's where it talks about 65,000 acre infill pond and their technical manager bragged about evaporating at least 40 billion gallons of water per year. That's one company per year from so, the Great Salt Lake. All right. So I'm just, I know some of you guys already put this together, but um, <clears throat> one of the reasons there's been such a, you know, Cox and she's going to get into this, but Cox has been coming out and saying, we need, we need to measure your water. We need to hold back your water. We need to make sure you're not, you as we, the people are not using water is because these guys are making deals with corporations and governments, pushing all of our water to the Great Salt Lake, draining our reservoirs, yeah. and then using that water instead of for us for drinking, for using to mine lithium. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? That's what's happening? Correct, yes. To fuel China and, and Canada and other places. Which again, because we have you know politicians that are being in bed with China. Again, that's right out of the mm -hmm. AP. Yeah, AP, yeah. Associated How press. many of them are making money off of this? Right. <laughs> um, just so you're aware, another thing with the brine, there is a brine shrimp harvesting company. It's a multi-million dollar industry. And Timothy Hawks does work. This is his conflict of interest form that he filed with the state legislature. Um, he advises on legal business matters. So he's employed for the Great Salt Lake Brine Shrimp Cooperative. And then there's Trout Unlimited. So there's a huge conflict of interest here, which our um, state constitution basically says that that's illegal. Uh, this conflict of interest here. So just so you are aware. Okay, so what's been going on with the snowpack, right? We've we've had a ton of snow. I think Brighton Canyon alone got 50 feet of snow. Um, tons of snow. They've been saying that um, we are, we're out of a drought now, um, out of a severe drought, basically. Yeah, but we're talking about how we've had all this record snow. How, how much is it? 500 inches at Alta? Do you know, Doug? Oh. We're like 900 inches. The 900 Alta, inches, Alta, right that's insane. Over this last winter, yeah. 900 inches. Yeah, so so we clearly have the snow. So, yeah. yeah, so tell us what's going on with that, Chelsea. So we've got all this snowfall, and people are seeing that the reservoirs somehow are empty. 
So uh, we've, we, oh, the, that's what I was going to say. We um, have record snowfall since, since 1983. We're having levels um, as much as we did, if not more, from 1983. And that's when they had all that severe flooding. Right. Uh, when height, you know, and they put those pumps in. So um, here's a few articles, you know, Parley's Canyon, we're talking about facing floods here. They're worried about the flooding. This is a huge mudslide that came down. So lots and lots of moisture that we're getting, um, needing sand, you know, emergency. We're in emergency for flooding, but a drought at the same time. Um, we've reached 175% of the usual amount of water levels in 2023, the highest um, they've been in the last 10 years. Here again, we're 1983. We, we've got higher levels than ever since 1983. This one says 170% of normal time. Right. right, so a lot of snow. So you'd think that if we've, we've been in a drought, we would be storing that water. Right, actually, I haven't been up to, to the reservoirs lately. I've driven past any. Are they, are they, have they let them fill up or what are they, or what's... You guys know? I've gotten a lot of pictures from other people saying that the reservoirs are empty. Um, Doug, what, Doug, have you seen? Yeah. I've heard. There's a, uh, a website with the Division of Water Resources that you can look at the reservoirs and see how much, uh, what percentage of fill they are. Some are very low and some are spilling over. Uh, Causey Reservoir up Weaver Canyon is now spilling over its uh, spillway, so it is full. So that one is full, but, the, but then the yeah. others that they're... Mind you, I empty. think, if I remember right, it was about 40% full. Okay. So it has capacity. East okay. Canyon is filling, but I've heard that there's uh, it, there's enough snow behind East Canyon to fill it three times. Oh, geez. That's so awesome. They've got to release it, but there's So that needs in. to be released, but but Deer Creek and some of these other ones need to be filled. Right. I, I, anyway, so I'm they, curious. They all need to be released to anticipate the fill that's coming. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so as the flood as the flood risk looms, this is what they were doing um, back early when the when the we were first getting a lot of this snowfall um, beginning of the winter. Um, but basically, they came out and uh, said because because they're worried of the flooding that they do need to release some of the um, the water, the snowmelt, to make room for for the rest of the snowmelt. Well, so up Little Dell, up Parley's Canyon and Little Dell Reservoir. They actually have a whole separate reservoir below that that they built um, after the flooding in 1983 um, for when flooding happens and when there's extra snow melt to fill that reservoir up for overflow from Little Dell and store water for when we're in a drought. Well, that one's completely empty. And rather than sending all this snow melt to fill that reservoir, um, they decided to release the water to the Great Salt Lake instead. So our snow melt is going to the Great Salt Lake. Here it says the releases are starting at 10 to 20 cubic feet per second. Which I'm, I'm fine with putting my water in the Great Salt Lake after all of our reserva reservoirs are, are yeah. taken care of, after we've been the farmers, after we know we have water. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they're getting, before they're even reaching capacity, they're, they're releasing water, and they're not using reservoirs for extra water storage. Why aren't we using those? Why aren't we finding ways to send the flooding, you know, as extra irrigation to farmers? Um, is one of my questions. One of the resources that we have, uh, supposed to have, is Willard Bay. And Willard Bay is about 75, 80% full. And just recently I heard they finally opened up the outflow gates that go into the Great Salt Lake. But that one is fairly full. Uh, the other ones uh, are various capacities, and it just takes management by Weaver Basin and others to manage those 
reservoir so they don't fill up and then have overflow. Because once it goes over the overflow, there's no uh, control on it. It just, it's gone. Right. So they got to manage the capacity of the reservoir in order to uh, receive the snow melt without getting it too full. Right. Once it's too full, there's no control. That makes sense. And so some of my question, you know, there is they've been talking about building extra storage and underground tanks and refilling the, you know, but they've also said that our underground aquifers aren't full and they need to recharge those as well. So why aren't those being charged? And why not, you know, for years they've been talking about building this storage capacity. They haven't been doing it. So any thoughts on that? Well, years ago when uh, Governor, Governor Matheson inquired about how to store water and what to do with the water, back 82, 83, uh, one of the decisions, one of the options was to build more reservoirs higher in the mountains. And if you had a hundred three-acre, four-acre, five-acre reservoirs, then you could save all that fresh water before it goes down to the lake. Mm. Once it gets down to the lake, it's gone. It's it's useless. Useless. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So there's options, but some of them are just not uh, acceptable by some people. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so again, these other reservoirs—they're—they're they're releasing a lot of water into the Great Salt Lake. So, um, but here's the other thing: is that we have art. So on the flip side of this, we have other articles coming out, basically saying, but it's—it's it's not enough to get us out of the drought, though, right? And there's another article here that came out and said that even though, so here's where we're releasing billion billions of gallons of water per day right there billions of gallons of fresh water in the great salt lake every day here you can see the dams have opened and they've said that they're just going to let this continue to flow for quite a while um i mean like i said so long as our as they let our reservoirs get filled i mean that's that's mm-hmm. my big thing is if, if they're right. if, if they're doing because they're anticipating it filling up I mean, that makes sense. Right. But if we get to, you know, three months down the road and oops, we accidentally let it all to the Great Salt Lake and now we're now we're in a problem because the reservoirs are, are low, then then all of a sudden people should be pretty ticked because now if you're going to start mon- putting us back on regulating our water while and regulating our farmer's water while you're now all of a sudden using all this water to mine lithium, right. I'm going to have a real problem with that. Right. So it's, it's kind of like, let's, let's watch and see what happens. But you can see here the drought monitor um, in 2021, how bad it was and where we're at now. So we've had a lot of moisture. However, the narrative continues to come out and be that we still need to be, we need to be conserving while they're sending water other places, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, But uh, you can see down here, it's hard to imagine a bigger snow year, but it's possible we've had more moisture recorded since 1981. However, um, Utah had even more moisture in the snow than it does now. And so uh, I'm not not gone through everything in these articles, but they're based, they're also coming out with the narrative that, but it's not going to be enough for us to pull out of this drought and we need to consent to continue to des- uh, conserve. And snow has apparently lost its moisture. So we've got these contradicting narratives well, be, be coming very, out. This will be a very interesting summer. Yeah. Because yes. if we get into summer, I think that that's, and, and all of a sudden our reservoirs are low because they've spent, sent, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of gallons of the great salt Lake mm-hmm. instead of using it for our farmers and, and, and sending it to, the uh, what is the uh, where they where they have the uh, surveillance uh, here in Lehigh, where they all the uh, where the, the data centers the big data center yeah and the there. metaverse um, headquarters is out there yeah. in Eagle Mountain yeah uh, 
That's the that's thing. 400 uh, mil, what was it? It's a obscene amount of water. 400 million getting. gallons of water or something I don't to the remember, metaverse but I in it Lehigh. Was insane. And okay. the NSA, yeah. So, so go on. What so are you this was this was actually just a day ago that Cox came out with another proclamation and keep conserving water, Utah. We need to conserve. So um, I want to go to the uh, a few videos though about what's going on with our water. Okay. So tell us about this video. Okay, so um, this is Spencer Cox basically talking about how he's um, they're regulating our water use through restrictions and technology. Oh, I also see down below Governor Cox working hard Ooh. to get young people vaccinated. Thank you, Governor he, Cox. Yeah, we could have played this a little, just a little bit earlier, but he basically talked about how you know politics. Um, he wishes that politics wasn't a big part of this, but that you know everybody needs to be getting vaccinated. So Head full screen. Yeah, there we go. All right. What does wise Governor Honest Cox have to say here? Yeah. Incredible maps that have shown drought conditions in your state. Uh, you look at this map, for example, uh, a year ago versus now. Uh, 100% of Utah is in drought. 98% of the state is in what can be classified as extreme drought. 65% in exceptional drought, the highest intensity. What is the best way to respond to something that's going to be really difficult to reverse at this point? Sure. Well, there, there are lots of different responses that, that are necessary. Um, one, we, we have to conserve water better. We have to use less water. And uh, that's going to happen in lots of different ways. We have water restrictions across the state. I'm also a farmer. We're, we're down about 70% of our water consumption right now. And that will have economic and, and food stability impacts across our state. So, so we just every person in our state has to use less water. We'll do that through restrictions and technology advances as we that's number one. Number two, um, and we talked about this with Western governors just this past week, um, we, we have to store more water. Uh, the, the people that settled these, these arid mountain valleys and, and, and Western uh, states knew that. Um, we're not doing a great job of that anymore. I'm grateful in this bipartisan infrastructure push, there is money for that type of infrastructure. Um, storing water above ground and, and underground as well will make a big difference as we are also the fastest growing state in the nation. So we have to be prepared for generations to come. I know this is personal for you. As you mentioned, you're a sixth generation, I believe, alfalfa farmer. Um, and so you That's see correct. the effects of this. Your family has seen the effects of this. Um, but you are a member of a party that includes many who don't still believe in climate change. How detrimental is that to the future of the GOP? Well, we're working very hard uh, to help people understand the impacts of climate change. Uh, you, you may have noted recently, Representative John Curtis here from the state of Utah was helped to form a, a Republican climate caucus um, at the at the federal level. So there's more work being done there. But that, but that's a long term. I mean, that's as you mentioned earlier. That's that you know that's a, that's a 50 year solution. Right. And so we have to do better there. And Utah is doing better. We're cutting back on on emissions here in the state of Utah. Working with with our governors across the West to implement uh, Kate Brown, who you're going to have on. We're working on uh, electric car infrastructure across the West. So great things are happening yeah. there. But we also have to take the short term impacts and take them very seriously, which President Biden did this week, talking about wildfires in the West. Yes. Governor Spencer Cox joining us from his home in Fairview, Utah. We appreciate it. Please come back. So I, I want to uh, jump in. Doug, what do you think? He's, he's a farmer, sixth generation farmer. What do you think that is about his thoughts as, as a real farmer? Do you see, is he a farmer? What do you, what's going on here? Well, he may be, have been a farmer, but he doesn't talk like one. I mean, most farmers are conservative and, and understand the changes that occur. They occur often, various ways. 
he talks about climate change. Well, I've been around for quite a few years, and I've seen climate change a lot. Yeah. It changes every year. That's right. So I don't know how they define that, but I don't think it's as drastic as has been uh, the rhetoric is. But I've seen climate change. I mean, it obviously changes from winter to summer. That's climate change. Sure. But what they uh, what we're being told is as if this is a closed environment mm. and it can only go one way. But it's an open environment. This world is, has all kinds of cycles. And what do you climate, mean? What do you mean by that? Closed versus open? Uh, it depends on when you when you create a computer model, you put certain parameters into that model, and then the computer uses those parameters to come out with a prediction okay. or an estimate. Now, if those parameters are incorrect or guesswork, then you don't get the correct answer. Now it's like our storms. I mean, they talk about climate change is creating more storms. Well, we've had bad storms in the last uh, two centuries. We've had bad storms. We've had mild storms. We've had big hurricane years and small ones, and they can't predict that. Yeah. And no computer can predict that at this point. Right. So when we get heavy rains, we've had heavy rains. I remember uh, in the 60s, there's some dry years and there's some heavy wet years. And uh, if you look at the chart uh, of precipitation in the last 100 years in Utah, it's amazing what that shows. There's no uh, roller coaster scale. There's no curve. It's sharp spikes. It spikes up. It spikes down. One of the driest years in Utah record was 1963. Uh, well, I'm, excuse me, 1956. That was uh, the driest on record up to this point. But nobody talks about that one. Doesn't but fit the narrative, does it? No. And then 1957 was the fifth wettest year in our Utah history by the perception, precipitation data. So how does that fit the narrative? Then the data shows that in the 30s, there was a dry spell. In the early 50s, there was a dry spell. And they were dry years. Yeah, the whole dust, I mean, the dust bowl. The big, oh. That was, yeah, that was... People don't talk about no, the dust bowl. No, they don't, bowl. do they? Midwest had... Six years, nearly 10 years of dry, and we don't talk about that. That was a tremendous drought. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you said he doesn't talk like a, you said you're, he says he's a farmer, but he doesn't talk like a farmer. <clears throat> he also says he's a Republican, but he sure doesn't talk like a Republican either. <laughs> well, John well, Curtis, <laughs> he's on video <laughs> stating he ran as a Republican to get in, but he's a Democrat, so there you go. Yeah, and I mean, th that's the thing is you've got, you, you have, again, this woke governor who pushes the, the uh, UN and the World Economic Climate you know, uh, change, climate change, climate agenda. change agenda in order to push their narrative, which is again, which is control. So any, I find, I found that whole, that whole conversation very interesting to, to hear uh, him, uh, you know, speaking. I mean, he's just, he's so progressive. I, I just, it's sad. He represents Utah. What are your thoughts on that, Chelsea? Yeah. And I mean, and you can see that that was, I think that was in, I don't know if that was 2022 or 2021 it was mm -hmm. a little bit ago, but again, they, they keep mentioning we need to build the storage for it. Yeah, he, so, did, he did mention that, and he's right. Right. And, but where and is we it? need to, but where is it? Instead, Instead we're draining it all to the Great Salt Lake so they can use it to mine lithium. Right, and the reservoirs that were built for overflow aren't being filled. They're being kept empty. Yeah, and we're going to get in a minute. I'm really looking forward to getting in, in, into this 
you know, with Doug to hear about what's going on in farming with the water and yes. because what they've been doing, and we're going to get that is they're vilifying the farmers is saying you guys are using too much water, mm-hmm. but we're going to get into that in a minute. What else? What, what, yeah. what do you have next? In okay. The so he mentioned the uh, electric infrastructure, right? Oh, he so, did. Yes. Yes. So here, this is recent. Um, okay. I, this is this year. So um, this is t- a guy representing TI. So they build um, chips to, for to electrify uh, Texas everything. Instrument, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They just they just bought out the Micron plant in uh, Lehigh. Yep. Yep. So um, this isn't talking about it at a press conference here. We'll play a couple clips from this. Okay. Oh. Thank you, Governor Cox, uh, and thank you all for being here today as we celebrate the start of a new chapter in TI's history here in Utah. As Governor Cox mentioned, Texas Instrument is thrilled to announce that we have selected Lehigh, Utah, as the, st- as the site for our next 300 millimeter wafer fab. With the anticipated growth of semiconductors in electronics, particularly in industrial and automotive, and the passage of the Chips and Science Act, there is no better time to invest in semiconductor manufacturing. And with this additional capacity, we will put a lot more silicon into the silicon slopes. We have been in Lehigh for the past uh, 14 months now, and I can say that the team has uh, quickly uh, become a crowd favorite. Since we acquired the site in Lehigh, we have continued to invest in the existing fab by purchasing tools and equipment to help us manufacture the chips our customers need. We have a talented, a talented team in place, uh, and our decision to build a second fab in Lehigh underscores our commitment to Utah. Lehigh is a great location for our next uh, fab because of its access to skilled talent, robust existing infrastructure, and strong community partners. I would like to thank some of the people who have made this announcement possible. First, to Governor Cox and his team, uh, and to Lieutenant Governor Henderson, thank you for your partnership and support. I would like to acknowledge and thank Lehigh Mayor Mark Johnson, the Lehigh City Council, the Utah County uh, Commissioners, the Alpine School District, and all of the regional elected officials who work together and. The new fab will produce tens of millions of analog and embedded processing chips every single day. That will be used in electronics everywhere. Each of us can see the growth of electronics in our everyday lives, from the safety system in your car, the thermostat or appliance in your home, to the smart medical devices monitoring your health. And TI semiconductor technology is at the heart of these advancements. Okay, so obviously they're um, they're building this TI infrastructure. So I want to show you now. Somebody in the audience asks um, Governor Cox a question about the water that's going to go into this, and this was um, Spencer Cox's response. Yeah, I want to hear the response, but um, well, I'll ask you a question. Great question. Yeah. So that's that's been a topic of discussion from the very beginning with, with TI. Uh, there's a lot of work happening in this space. Um, Mayor Johnson and uh, and his team, the water is available. So that's the good news. Uh, and, and TI is working very hard on the design phase of this to make sure they will be using less water, be able to reuse that water in the process so water is not being lost. And uh, we feel very good about the, the projections around the water usage and uh, the, the existing water in that, uh, in that system right now. Again, we, we appreciate the work that has been done with the, the local district, the water district as well, who have been very involved in these discussions. I don't know if we have those estimates right, 
right with us. They're asking how much water is available. We do. We, we really do. Again, especially with the, the work that is happening in the wet. So he just asked if the water was really there or not, and he says, yes, we do. ...and the changes that we're making. We, we've been looking at, at water consumption, uh, changing water consumption with what we've learned over the past two summers as, uh, as Utahns have shown an, an ability to use significantly less water and, and looking at our growth projections. And, and we really do believe that we can grow, uh, we can conserve our way to about a million people. In, in growth, and that that includes industry and the growth that's happening in the industry. So, uh, again, we we have to be smarter about the way we use our water, and that's why we're we're investing so much in these changes. That's why we're investing what we believe will be at the end of this session over a billion dollars in two years in water conservation, so that we can continue to um, to make sure that we, this is a place where our kids and grandkids can live, and a place where where industry can continue to thrive. When was this? That was this year. That was this year. Yeah. So interesting, uh, Lehigh, we live in Lehigh, and, and last year they, they came around and started putting secondary water meters. Uh, it wasn't a choice. They just came and started installing secondary water meters. Uh, Doug, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's very interesting what he says. What he, sticks out to you? He says he's got the water, and we're, they're changing uses, and I see that they're going to take it from some people and give it to others. So this TI uh, factory will get the water, who's going to lose water yeah and that's why i hear a lot about farmers wasting water and they want to take water from farmers because they waste so much water well we don't waste that kind of water we utilize it so so here here's what i find frustrating um you know i'm all about i, I love that you know we need to be making our chips here in america and not relying on taiwan for those for those chips um and i love i love the idea of having them here in utah but if you're telling me we don't have water <laughs> and that we're having to conserve and, and, and he comes on, tells us we're going to rat our neighbors out and we're going to take water, tell our farmers they can't farm. And then we're going to pump water into big tech, pump it into Texas instrument, pump it into mining lithium. And yet, and then tell the people we can't use water and our farmers can't use water. That's, that's what I have a concern with. Again, right. where's the dia public dialogue here? Well, well he said that he, he's have enough water to expand another million people. Well, where's that water? Yeah, and where's that water coming from? Where's it going to come from? He says he's got it. Well, where is he going to get it? Yeah, that's what do you think, Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, high tech and all the development. We've talked about, you know, these public infra infrastructure districts and legislators that create these districts, sit on these boards, exercise eminent domain, and then they come in with this high density housing and real estate development. Well, there's water going to that. Um, again, in the last video, he admits, you know, a couple years ago that we need to invest in infrastructure for storage. Now he's here saying that we are spending billions of dollars in um, this kind of infrastructure Where's the storage? Again, where's the storage? Right. So, and this was, uh, do we want to play this real yeah, quick? Yeah, let's, let's so, just see if you can go full screen on this. But all of those things are really, okay. really important to do right now. And then, and this is where we have to have enforcement. And all of that enforcement is done at the local level. Um, we've seen some of our municipalities, um, I, 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 and I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe it was Weber County that's, that's going to be tagging houses. Weber Basin, yep, thank you. Weber Basin, Tage Flint's here. Um, they're they're going to be very serious about this. And it, you know, three strikes and you're out. You lose your secondary water for the rest of the year. Um, that's the type of enforcement we need to have, so people will know we're serious. Word travels when your neighbor finds out that they they might have their secondary water shut off. We're all going to be a lot more careful about it. 
Thank you, uh, thank you, Cox. Yeah. So we need to conserve water, water, water Nazi Cox. We'll have our water shut off on us, but they can spend all of this money and send all of our water to this type of infrastructure that obviously they financially benefit from as well. So, okay, so let's talk about agriculture. All right, let's move. Let's move into Doug here. Okay, love to talk about agriculture. That's my favorite uh, theme, and uh, I'm happy to be here to help defend farmers from uh, being disparaged. There's a lot of public comment, media and otherwise, about how bad farmers are. They waste water, and we're not using it efficiently, or we're not doing it right. So they want to to uh, acquire the water from farmers. One way is to purchase it. The other is to take it. And there's various uh, thoughts about how to do that. Uh, I want to say that uh, farmers are here to produce food and fiber. We have... Uh, many crops that we grow and the ultimate thing is to provide food for utahns and other americans and if we continue to harp on farmers and decrease farms and get rid of farmers which some people want to do where are you going to get your food where are you going to get the other stuff where where's you go to mcdonald's you get hamburger you go to some other places you get uh, beef or pork or chicken does that come from utah some of it does our fluid milk in the Wasatch Front area comes from a lot of dairy farmers. But you take them out, then what? Where's the milk going to come from? It's going to come from out of state, Mexico, California, China. It can come from other places. Guess what? That costs more. Yeah. So it, it would be most beneficial if our politicians would help to preserve legacy farms. Farms have been here a long time and farmers who are trying to produce food for people, but they're not likely to do that because they're very eager to have farmers sell out, get rid of their farms so they can develop it with residential commercial. So are you seeing that, does it feel like there's a, uh, almost like a pushing the farmers out right now? Or what do you, what do you feel is going on right now? I've seen it over the years. Uh, the last 50 years, I've seen the, the, uh, eagerness of politicians to help development. Uh, one way or another, they help with the developers, develop ground. That farm ground looks like a lot of bare ground, and developers love to develop that bare ground. But then that takes away from uh, the food. Uh, even in places, uh, Willard and Perry, that raise a lot of fruit. Uh, Utah County raised a lot of fruit. It used to, but they're losing their orchards. Uh, there's cattle that used to graze and uh, dairies that are going out of business and you're losing that production. So when you lose it, then you have to buy it from somebody else and it comes from uh, other places and we'll have to, it just costs more because of transportation and other costs of production. Excellent. Chelsea, your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, so actually I was going to show very quickly, I'm not going to show all the documents, but um, we've talked a lot about Envision Utah. Um, and some of their goals actually for farming is, and it's interesting again, because they use our, our own language, right? They want to shift agriculture. Um, basically they want to do more, more crops for humans, vegetables and fruits. Um, but then when you look at their own document, it says shift agriculture from animal consumed crops, alfalfa and hay, for example, to the human consumed crops. So getting rid of things like alfalfa um, for just fruits and vegetables. And I, I know that that's one of the things is we're hearing a lot that um, 
water, you know, alfalfa uses way too much water. Um, and my question for you would be, is that true? And how, how, how do you measure that? Good question. I'm glad to answer that question because in my experience, alfalfa does not use water. Uh, as much water as they claim. They say it's too much water. My question to uh, of people is, what is too much water? Do you use a lot of water on your lawn, your vegetable garden behind your house? Do you use a lot of water? Is that too much water? Uh, when we raise alfalfa and our neighbors, uh, we water it once every three to four weeks. That's once every three to four weeks. Jeez, that's not much. That's not much. When I raise wheat, barley, grains, it's once a week. So is alfalfa raising, uh, using too much water? Uh, in my experience, I don't see it. Now I flood irrigate, which means you just open the gate and the water goes across the ground, goes to the end of the field. Uh, there's others that use sprinkler systems and they use it more water more conservatively, but it has its drawbacks too. Uh, when we flood irrigate, the water goes through the field uh, waters the plant, the alfalfa plant, the corn, the wheat, the barley, whatever crop it is, and it, it goes four ways. Water has four ways to go when it goes, is used for irrigation. One is it goes across the field. Of course, there's some evaporation happening. Another one, it percolates into the soil, goes down into the substrata, into underground water aquifers. So it recharges the underground water. Uh, it also is translocated into the plant, and after a while, it's diffused into the atmosphere from the leaves. So again, evaporation. Right. <clears throat> You're recycling it. The plant recycles that, so it goes back up into the atmosphere. The other water, what I think people claim is wastewater, is the surface water that goes to the end of the field. And that pools at the end of the field and then goes out the field into what's called a drain ditch. That drains the water off the field because you can't have standing water in a field. So that drain ditch goes into another drain ditch, which gets into a bigger drain ditch, and then it goes west. Uh, the flow is to the west in uh, Salt Lake, Davis, Weber mm. County, Box, Eld Box Elders more south. But it eventually winds up in that big pond out to the west of us. And that pond accumulates all that drainage water. So actually our wastewater, that people call it wastewater, actually gets out to the Great Salt Lake, and we are recharging the lake. So it doesn't disappear. There's several uh, videos and articles about how farmers are wasting water. Well, that water isn't gone. It goes somewhere. Where does the water go? Look around your area and say, where does that water go? And if you look, it eventually evaporates, goes into the groundwater, or uh, it finds its way into Great Salt Lake. So they ought to be appreciative of farmers who help support the Great Salt Lake. We're not taking water out. We're recycling water because right. of those things. It doesn't disappear, and it's recycled. So eventually it gets to the Great Salt Lake. But alfalfa, again, why do we raise that? I was asked that by one person. Why don't you ra raise something that uses less water? And I, my question is, what? What uses less water? What would you have us grow? Potatoes, cotton, soybeans, what would you have us grow that uses less water? Like I said, watering once every three weeks versus once a week. And in your gardens and lawns, are you watering every two or three days? Well, you may not use as much, but your cycle is different than what alfalfa uses. So that's what alfalfa does. And that alfalfa, the corn, the grains, I'll go to feed cattle. 
<coughs> which right now is an issue, right? And the cost yep. of that alfalfa through the roof? It's very expensive now, variety of reasons. But uh, that feeds cattle to make beef or to make milk. We have a lot of dairies, uh, used to have a lot of dairies in Salt Lake, Davis and Weber counties, but they're going out of business. Which brings why, up another question. Yeah, which, why are they going out of business? Well, it's called encroachment by communities. I remember in the, the 70s, I'm old enough to ha talk to a farmer then in the 70s, and he said, see that? A mile away, there was a subdivision. He says, it's going to be here for too long. I went back to talk to him about three years later, and he was gone. He moved out, and the subdivision was on the other side of his fence, or what used to be his fence. So the subdivisions are taking over, which brings up the question, if agriculture is using 82%, 70%, and I've heard anywhere from 70 to 85% of Utah water goes to agriculture, my question is, where's it going? Because if that's now, 50 years ago, there were a lot more farms, a lot more farms using flood irrigation, and they'd have to use more than 100% of the water because those farms are gone. If you look at Western Salt Lake County, Western Davis County, Western Weber County, and even Box Elder, the farms are moving out and developments, commercial, residential, moving in. So politicians are saying we're, that the farmers are using too much water, but yet there's far less farms now than there were before. Mm. Oh, absolutely. We're losing thousands of acres every year to development. That's in Utah. There's over 2 million acres a year in the United States that's lost to development. 2 million. Now, after a while, because we don't make any more ground, we're going to run out of ground to produce food. Then what are you going to do? The stores only get what they can get, and if it's not locally, then And right happens? now we get a lot of this cheap food from China. Oh, which, yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, being... Bioengineered. <laughs> Bioengineered, and now we're, again, not on the verge. We are at war with China. What happens with the food when China stops shipping things to the U.S.? Right. You know, we're going to find out. Some, we, we shut off our ability to produce food, and we're going to wish... We're going to really wish we'd have thought twice. Somebody's going to be hungry. Yes, a lot no. of people are going to be hungry, which is why they talk about famines. Yeah. Yes, and there's, there's, there's some ahead. people in Utah who want to be self-sustaining, uh, eat locally grown food. There's a lot of farmer's markets, and people go to those because they want locally grown food. But as development occurs that pushes those farmers out, you won't get locally grown food. And so you have to work with the politicians who are, as you may guess, uh, like to have developments occur. Yeah. Well, so and, and as, as Chelsea's pointed out, and a lot of these politicians happen to be developers as well. Yes. Oh, surprise. What a surprise. <laughs> no conflict <laughs> there, of interest there. We have a major problem with p politicians who are making money on the, on the legislation that they make. Uh, Chelsea, what do you have for us on this? Um, one, okay. So that was one of the other things to answer your last question and kind of where you were going with, um, uh, the development kind of pushing farmers out is this was another thing from the uh, Envision Utah's document. Um, it, you know, it says increased production uh, and access to local foods, right? But then they talk about urbanizing. They want urban farms um, and urban areas. And they admit right here um, they want to promote the backyard agriculture and community gardens, which we've talked about, and the cooperative neighborhood orchards and gardens. So um, the vertical farming as well. So they want to bring... Um, farms indoors where there's shelves right um indoor vertical farms and these community gardens well again the community gardens uh one of the things this is a world economic forum agenda that's being pushed and one of the last 
uh, parts of these community gardens is the contracts. And if your social credit score isn't high enough, you don't you, get to use the you food get in there. Locked right. out of the farms and the gardens because they're all government regulated. So meanwhile, while they while the World Economic Forum says that the people in these smart cities are going to use these urbanized farms, which are these indoor greenhouses. Uh, Bill Gates, ironically, isn't isn't investing in that. He's investing in buying up all the farmland. So you know, indoor farming for us and for the elites, apparently they're gonna they're they're buying all this farmland, which another is interesting. I mean, people are. I don't know why we're not connecting the dots here. There's a problem, right? And so, I oh sorry, go ahead. Dan. I don't know if Mike could comment. Uh, I read an article about Bill Gates. He yeah. has over four hundred thousand acres he's purchased in various in eleven states, and the question is why is he buying farm ground? including ranches, ranch mm -hmm. property. Uh, the analysis from the writer said that he understands that sometime we're going to have a food shortage. And he wants to be in the pivotal point to produce food yeah. for us. And guess what? He can charge more. Yeah. So that's a moneymaker for him. And meanwhile, and that, what are we doing with our local farmers? We're putting in, them out of business right in, now. In Utah, we want to get rid of farmers. Bill Gates, being smart, says sometime we're going to need food, so he's buying farmers. You know, one yeah. of the things that sticks out to me is, is again, when you realize how in bed, and, and the Associated Press has put out several great articles, and I really appreciate those, those uh, writers yeah. who have exposed Utah, that uh, China has a bigger foothold in Utah than any other state and that they they stop legislation they don't like and they push forward their legislation they want. They have lobbyists here. Isn't it interesting that, again, China is at war with America. They've been it for some time. Their, their number one goal is to take this country down. And what is, their, what is their objective and what are they doing with our politicians saying, turn off the, the, the water to the farms, stop the farms. Why? Because they, they, if we cannot produce our own food, if we are not self-reliant, we will get choked out. Go on, Chelsea. Right. Um, this is a, and one of the things, one of the bills that they actually passed in 2023, I warned people about the, you know, rip out your lawn for uh, non-agricultural yeah. turf and soil, right, to conserve water. Um, well, a lot of people are real, realizing they don't want that because they are um, limiting the types of plants and vegetables and things. There, They can only be so high. There can only be so many. They're, when you do that, they're regulating what you can grow well they just passed a bill this last session stating that if you took the grant money in order to put that in and you want to rip it out and you can't pay it back they will put a lien on your property now um, wow. in order to pay that back wow. so this is um, really quick to Losa we did we just did one on smart cities but this is a come into the Utah desert you can see the blue is everything electrified it's this kind of uh, dystopian utopia um, this kind of globe that everybody's going to live in. Um, but it says right here, the proposed city of Tolosa would include indoor farming, the energy efficient buildings, autonomous vehicle cars, high speed transportation, and a new model for land ownership aimed at closing the wealth gap, which we know what that means, socialism. Here I they mean, call this, it equitism. This is the Marxist, you know, communist, you know, utopia, this promised utopia where the government owns the land you own nothing, yeah. and it is it is absolutely. I mean, we've seen every time they've tried to implement these utopias, and it has ended up being being absolute tyrannical. And here we are, right in Utah, you know, embracing trying to bring this World Economic Forum type, you know, cities to Utah. Mm -hmm. These smart cities. A couple of yeah. comments. Uh, this was all practiced. Has already been practiced. Didn't work very well back in the uh, 1930s. Yeah. Stalin took Ukraine. over. Uh, he put everything under government control, had collectives, was going to produce, and the promise was they would have abundant crops. Uh, five years later of the five-year plan, they had starving people and 
millions died from starvation in, in fact, Russia. In fact, they had to put out signs, and, and uh, you know, and, and they literally put out signs. Remember, it is wrong to eat your children. Yeah. No, this again. They don't teach us in our schools because we're moving back here. They were starving to the point they were literally cannibalism was a problem, and, and literally mm-hmm. parents were eating their children. Yeah. This is. I mean, this is sound science fiction, but but go pick up a history book. Re- pick up uh, Alexander Schultzenitz, and this was this is what mm-hmm. happened last time around. They pushed this, mm-hmm. and I don't think we're governed by any more uh, by better angels these days. No. no. Nor the, has society become less uh, or more moral. By right. the 1970s in Russia. They allowed farmers and some people to have their own gardens. Some of them were fairly big, and they were producing more crops off the gardens, home gardens. They were out of the collective, yeah. and they and they told the people that there was a lot of food, but when the people went to the stores, they bought a few potatoes here and the next store a couple of loaves of bread maybe, and it was just very selective. So they were running out a lot of food with this collective, government-owned property issue. So that's why personal property, that's why farmers have to own their land and own their water so they can utilize it because farmers are out to make a profit too. Uh, If you work for somebody, what do you want? You want to do a good job and eventually get paid more. Well, farmers would love to be paid more, but we don't. We have a different and unusual market. We go to market with our beef, with our grains, with other things and say to the marketplace, we say, how much will you pay me? When you go to the store, there's a price on there, and that's what you pay. There's no negotiations. But farmers have to go to the market, and I just sold an a, a animal a couple of weeks ago at an auction. And it was bid auction, and I just got whatever they said it was worth. And I did not price that. So if it was below my cost, I lost. Yeah, well, but, that's, and that's why Ezra Tap Benson warned against that happening back <laughs> Uh, in the 70s. So that's why farmers get a little special <clears throat> cadence because they're at mercy of the market. They don't price their thing, their commodities. Uh, and it's like milk, fluid milk. Price of 100 weight of milk can be $9 a 100 or $15 a 100. At $9, the farmer's losing money. At 15, now he's making some yeah. money. Yeah, which is not the, how the free market is supposed to work. Go on, Chelsea. So I have, I actually have two more questions for you. Um, yeah. Talking about cattle, we've heard, you know, the World Economic Forum now is pushing and we're starting to hear this narrative repeated in the public. Um, but it's not just greenhouse emissions from cow farts now that they're a problem. But now, supposedly, cattle, livestock are drinking too much water. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'd love to talk about this. My question again, audience, what is too much? So if you look at the, and you can go online to look at this, how much does a cow drink? Normally a cow drinks 20 to 30 gallons a day. That's uh, summer. In the south, it's up to 50 gallons, but that's 20 gallons. Some of mine in the winter, 10 gallons a day. Uh, Compare that with humans. Humans use 400 gallons in their process at home. You think about all the the showers, the cooking, the washing, uh, not only drinking, but all the other uses of water in the home. And then what about the hot tubs and how about the swimming pools? They use a lot of water. So cattle, we've only have 800,000 cattle in Utah, a little more than that. But we've got three million people. So who uses the most well, water? Well, and, and I don't think it should be a competition between the people and and, and the cows. I think it should <laughs> yeah. be the people. There, there is there is water enough for the people and the cows. What? Yes. Where, but but if you're going to if you're going to start stopping turning off the water, you start with the the lithium at the Great Salt Lake. You mm-hmm. stop sending it to the you know the um, 
the the um, uh, the site at the Lehigh where they're you know where they're, yeah where they're t- t- uh, stealing all or watching you know monitoring all our data. Uh, stop with the big tech, Texas Instrument, not the people. I have another and, question. And definitely not our farm animals. Yes, uh, they're putting all this stuff and uh, disparaging farm animals and farmers for all their water use. But if you look at the facts, it's not true. No. So where are they coming? Uh, one thing I've, I've heard, I've heard that agriculture in Utah uses 70% of the water, and another organization said it was 85%. That's a big difference. So what is it? How much does the agriculture use, and how much goes to the farms versus processing? I mean, the fact of the matter doesn't matter because we need to eat. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter, it does not matter because we need to eat, and I don't want to be relying on China for my food, especially their organic food that's going to Whole Foods. All right, Chelsea, what else? I think we've got uh, less than 10 minutes here. Okay, yeah, really quickly, I just want to let everyone know, I did have a meeting with some legislators because we've talked about the Rainwater Harvesting Act where you can only collect up to 2,700 gallons of rainwater, otherwise it's theft and you're stilling. And I talked to them about that and, you know, I argued that, you know, the way that we're doing water rights, they and we talked about, you know, the, the suspending our right to have water appropriated to us. You've got the Provo Water Users Association sending out letters to water shareholders saying you're only getting 90% of your shares because of the drought, yet Cox can come out and suspend our, our right to have that water appropriated to us to send to the Great Salt Lake. And I argued, you know, the way that we're doing water rights is, is not right. We should be protecting our water rights here and not those that are going to China from mining. Um, and I was, and you know, I said water is a God-given right. I was told by a legislator that um, in the state of Utah, water is not a God-given right. And if I want to live somewhere where it is, I should move. Um, wow. Yeah. They well, who, to- who was that? That was Carrie Ann Lizenby. Yeah. Note taken. Yeah. Um, I was also told that we should respect old water rights, you know, all these water rights so that are going out to the lake. Um, and then with the rainwater harvesting, they say, well, you know, I'm like, how do you even justify that? Um, well, the water is already spoken for through the evaporation process from the aquifers and the groundwater, even when it's in the air, that whole evaporation process, which they basically admitted that water doesn't go anywhere either. Right. It doesn't just go away. It just changes form. But, um, it's, it's already spoken for. And so we can't collect more, more than water that already belongs to everybody. Well, that contradicts the fact that the water being sent to the Great Salt Lake is surplus water. Right. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. So right. um, I have one more quick question for you. Um, you mentioned the green belt. Um, yes. And I don't know if you want to kind of briefly tell people what that's about, but there's something that came from 2023 as far as the green belt they want to expand it the act should be expanded so that it specifically applies to utah county as it is to salt lake county expanding the act might also allow for more unconventional forms of agriculture possibly including indoor agriculture so these indoor vertical farms that they're talking about do you have any thoughts on that well i it the uh, and what's the green belt belt? yeah the green belt act uh, came into Utah a long time ago. It was a state act, and he, counties, uh, uh, what, uh, the counties employ it with the farms, and it allows farmers with certain who qualify to reduce taxes, which is a help because uh, if that didn't happen, we'd lose our farms for taxes. So the green belt, if you have so many acres and produce so much uh, income from that uh, that acreage, you can qualify for green belt. And to preserve that is another way of helping preserve the farm. 
if you get rid of that or change it, then you're going to lose a lot of farmers. And there goes your food. So that's, that's yeah. green belt is very beneficial to farms Same. and agriculture. And, and also it helps with new kinds of agriculture. Uh, you've heard of aquaculture where you actually raise fish. There's different kinds of agriculture and it, it helps support all those various kinds of agriculture. So moving incentives to indoor farming. So just right. so everyone's aware. So, um, can, can I comment on some of these uh, yeah. urban agriculture? Yes, please do. I've done a little research and I've seen, uh, went back to Boston, Massachusetts and had a tour of their urban agriculture. Very interesting and very uh, insightful. Uh, they're using uh, inspirational ways to grow food, whether it's vacant lots, backyards, top of buildings, uh, other areas that are accessible, and that's all good, and that's plus. However, some of this that uh, Chelsea has talked about is great if you have a few people, but when you have 300 million people, you got to raise a lot of food. And growing. Uh, oh, yeah, all kinds of grain to feed cattle. Unless, unless you don't end up having that many people. Well, that's true, because mm-hmm. I've looked at Sweden and Denmark when they've got 5 to 15 million people. They can do that and feed that many people. But when you have 330, 40 million people, you got to raise a lot of so food. So maybe the way these farms. indoor, the only the way these indoor things work is if there's Less a mass, people. mass depopulation, something where all of a sudden you don't have nearly the population we have, which, which is interesting because that's something that these elites always talk mm-hmm. about is overpopulation and they're needing to be removed 80% sure. of the population. Yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden, maybe, maybe that makes sense then. Fewer mouths to feed, you don't yeah. need as much farm ground. Interesting. Well, and just a reminder, Tolosa, that, you know, dystopian thing I showed you, mm. they they specifically stated with the vertical farms and stuff that it would basically be a communism uh, type society. Corporation. Yeah, so. Um, we're running short on time. Uh, Doug, what, uh, do you have anything else you want to sh- share with our uh, listeners and viewers? Can I say what I found about the Great Salt Lake? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. What was interesting when I was looking about the Great Salt Lake and doing some research online, and anybody can do that. I mean, it's easy to find. I found it interesting when I brought up how did Antelope Island get its name. One of the things it said, it was from uh, Kit Carson and John C. Fremont. When they went out to visit Antelope Island, they went on horseback to the island. I thought, wait a minute, what was that? I had to read it three times, but they went on horseback to the island <laughs> from this side. So they, they didn't swim. It was dry. They rode out. It was maybe not dry, but it was w- easy enough to get horseback. So they went out there, and of course they shot a couple of antelope and ate that as food, and they decided to honor the antelope by calling it Antelope Island. Uh, my question is, how did the antelope get there? And there's uh, artifacts from India and the Utes and other tribes have been on the island. How did they get there? They usually don't swim in salt water. They wouldn't do that unless there was a land bridge somewhere. Then there's in... Great that point. Was 1845 is when Fremont went out there. And we hear about the Great Salt Lake being the lowest level it's ever been in recorded history. Yeah. That may be true if you say the Salt Lake recorded history, but not all history. That's great. Because 1853, I believe it was, 54, Brigham Young commissioned a construction of a barge to go out to Antelope Island because they couldn't get their wagons over there anymore. Now think about that. That's so what climate it said. change 
Oh yeah. Climate change. They were in, they were victims of climate change <laughs> and they didn't even know it. <laughs> and then it got better. So Here we are again. Look on Utah Historical Society. There's some. So comments. when they talk about how we're in such big trouble because Utah Salt Lake's so low, uh, uh, on it's a uh, uh, great point. Obviously, it's been so low that there was people going out there on horseback, and and that's yeah. how the animals got there in the first place. If you got brilliant. out there by by wagon, that's not uh, deep water. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. That's a great point. So. You have to look in history and find facts because that, what you hear in the rhetoric that's spelled out about the disaster of the Great Salt Lake and the catastrophe it's going to be, who says that 200 years ago it didn't do that same thing? There's no evidence. Uh, we're not getting the facts. We're getting conjecture and supposition. And they're saying that this is a disaster and it's either because they're just not knowledgeable and haven't looked into history or there's an agenda. Or there's an agenda, and they're using climate change as a way to control the population well, that's, at a that's, global and, and national and state level. And, and the thing that sickens me is we have so-called Republican farmers <laughs> who are neither speak like Republicans nor speak like farmers speak pushing, pushing these, this climate change. Same with our politicians, you know, Republican climate change, pushing this global you know, agenda, which is disgusting. I'll say one thing. As farmers, we try to have a, make a living. It's very hard to make a living, and some do fairly well, and some struggle. But we're all trying to make a living, and the farmers shouldn't be disparaged and demonized because we're using water. We're trying to farm the ground. We're try, working hard to do these things. We've got uh, modern technology, better equipment. Those kind of things really help because we're not shoveling anymore. We're using uh, tractors and other things instead of doing it all by hand. So that's benefit. We're getting better, but also the costs are going up. I had one dairyman tell me that last year he had the most income he's ever had in his farming career, the largest income. However, his expenses were greater than the income, so he's still in the red. Interesting. Um, anything you'd like to share with our with our reps? Because we do have reps that uh, watch us. I think we have, obviously, you've got people like Cox that are really, I think, not interested in, in changing things, but we do have some good reps who, who are just kind of following orders. Um, anything you'd like them to know about what they could do to make, that, that they should know, not just to make your life easier, but that for the safety of our country and our state? Well, there's a lot I could say about their legislatures, but the one thing, they need to go talk to people. They get tunnelized with a certain voice yeah. and certain rhetoric and certain media and they get closed in, and so they lose touch with reality, in my opinion, because they don't talk to real people who do real work. And there's lots of us out there who would have comments and would like to tell them some things to do, but it's just, they're not listening. Maybe they should list less to, less, they listen less to the Chinese Communist Party yeah. lobbyists who are here and more to the farmers and, and to the people. Yeah. Chelsea, what, are your, what, do you, what do you have to close with? Oh, that I just had a quick thought on that. You know, Brad Wilson passed a bill this last session. Um, basically, uh, it's an it's an education thing for elected officials, but bringing local and state government together, which in, we're supposed to keep these jurisdictions different, but for training, uh, training across the board. Um, and one of the things that he stated is is he wants to do this so that all local, uh, you know, public officials, everyone throughout the state is getting their information from one source. Yeah. I think Control that's really, I think that's scary. And I think it's stupid. Yeah, I do too. So. I just yeah. thought of another thing. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we'll wrap up. Recently, 
uh, in the last, what, six months to a year, we've heard about the two-decade mega drought. My question is, when did that occur? Because three years ago, I never heard of a decade and a half mega drought. <laughs> yeah. Ten years ago, I never heard of a decade mega drought. It seems like last July, sudden. August, it coined a new phrase. Yeah. yeah. And they used that as leverage to sensationalize the rhetoric. And I, I think, wait a minute. I've been around quite a while. I remember the flood in Weber County and others in 2011, the high, high snowpack in 2017 and 2019. In 2006, we almost got flooded. There was a high snowpack. That's, we've had a lot of water. And if you look at the chart, there's high water years and low water years, and it spikes. So one year is not the same as the other. There's a few that are low in sequence, but not very many. Well, I really want to, Doug, uh, just thank you and, and all of our farmers out there and ranchers. Uh, they are the lifeblood of this country. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we the people, are, are going to find out real soon when, when, uh, when this war that we are in escalates to the next level and we stop getting food from China uh, and we have to become self-reliant and we realize we've cut off the hand that feeds us. We've cut off our farmers. Uh, we've cut off our ability to, you know, again, these politicians work for us. This is, this is our country. This is the country of, of, of the average person. It's not our politician's country. It is for us to decide, should we be protecting our farmers? Should we be self-reliant as a state? Should we be self-reliant as a country? And the fact that we are pushing and, and turning off our ability to be self-reliant and instead pumping money to China to, these, to, for their, to grow the China, you know, Chinese batteries and their lithium and, and working with all these Chinese politicians, working with World Economic Forum. Um, <clears throat> this is your children's country, and, and, we, and we have to stand up and protect their ability to be self-reliant, their ability to put food in their mouths. And by tur and turning, off and, and sh turning off our ability to farm and produce, uh, there's just nothing there that tells me that's wise. I, I cannot see any wisdom in that. So if that's a concern to you, you should be writing your reps. You should call your reps and tell them, hey, this water baloney needs to stop. Uh, you can share these videos with them. Chelsea does a great job. I mean, she'll go through. You've seen there are other videos in the water. She can pull up the bills. The reps can see the bills. There's there's plenty of information here. This isn't just hearsay. Um, <clears throat> share this stuff with your reps and, and ask them to stand up and, and protect Utah, protect our ability to be self-reliant. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts from Chelsea? And then let's wrap up. I just really quickly, I also wanted to let people know this whole Tolosa, these dystopian smart cities, they are funded by, you can see the Bezos Jeff Bezos Foundation. If you watched Envision Utah uh, Part One, you'll understand the significance of this. But the Gail Miller, the Eccles Foundation. Hold on, hold on. Who is this? Gail oh, Miller. No, no, this is Envision Utah, right? Okay, so uh, this is who's supporting Envision Utah? No, this is supporting Telosa. Telosa. This whole uh, this thing. Okay. Where they're doing the indoor, they're they're yeah, moving all the farms this indoors. Literally, is is dy is dystopia. Yeah. And, and it a says here, city. This is yes, and they call health. it down at the bottom here, equitism. So it's it's communism. But the Millers, Lions Bank, Rocky Mountain Power, Jeff Bezos, the yeah, you know, so disappointed to see a lot of the companies I see on there and, and the organizations and church. Sorry. UVU, who's hosted the uh, events for China, and so that's who's bringing all of this in. Just so you're aware. Yeah, sad. I think we need to stand up and, and save our farmers, though. I don't, I don't like where this well, is Well, and headed. our children and the smart cities. I mean, yeah. look, we're, we're heading down dangerous roads in this country, in this state. And to me, you know, we get so caught up in the rhetoric at Washington, D.C. and Trump. And, and no, you know what? Our backyard is what we need to be fighting for. Not getting distracted about the circus show in D.C. It's, right. it's, 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 we live in a state 
that is being taken over. Mm-hmm. And, and, and instead of being distracted about DC, we need to be bringing our focus to Utah and let's get this state back. So thank you guys for watching. Please share, please like, please subscribe. Uh, try to do notifications. If you're on YouTube, jump on, on uh, uh, Rumble because again, we're hearing from everybody that they can't find our stuff that is getting shadow banned. So please uh, support, especially on, on Rumble and on the other social media forums. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for supporting our sponsors, by the way. Um, we, I can't, we can't afford to do this on our own. And so, you know, it's, it's the people who are sponsoring this that make it possible. And thank you for, for being so supportive of them. And, uh, you know, this is a battle light and dark. We know we're going to yeah. win. So God bless you guys. God bless America and God bless Utah. Thank you.